Perception, Perception is reality. Reality. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get straight into this show because we have a lot to cover. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 100. And 94th episode of Perception is Reality. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. In just a little bit, we're going to be joined by three, count them, three guests at one time. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be like a roundtable discussion of a really important and, in my opinion, controversial topic. I don't think it should be. It shouldn't be nearly as controversial as it is. But I guess that's for you to decide. Please listen to this episode and then, as always, share the show with everyone you know. Remind folks we can be found literally everywhere. Wherever they listen to other podcasts, we can be found there. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, all of those places we can be found. All they have to do is search for us by name, which is Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. If they search for us, we'll pop right up. As well, they can also make it easy on themselves and just go to the home link, which is perception.fireside.fm. Again, the home link is perception.fireside.fm. And then lastly, before we get into this really big show, don't forget to connect with me and remind them to connect with me on Facebook, on social media. It's really the only place other than TikTok that I am at, but it's, it's the main social media platform that I use. There, you can connect with me. I release written content. I give you newspaper articles, magazine articles, a lot of other interesting links, as well as, and most importantly, there on Facebook, five nights a week, sometimes more, sometimes less, I release a live video commentary political show called Live at 35 After. It's very interesting. You will love it if you don't connect with me there already. You need to. You can connect with me live and we can communicate back and forth. You can watch it in repeat or replay whenever you want to. It's very interesting. It's a really good way to meet others and communicate with all of us. You can fight. You can agree. It's a fun time. It's a little bit more laid back than this episodes. these episodes generally are. But I think that both are important. So be sure to check us out there and have others check us out. You can connect with me on Facebook by going to Christopher H. Bilbrey on Facebook or facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey 318. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y 318. And lastly, if you are a TikToker, I guess, try to find me there. I think it's Perception 318 or... The at sign perception 318, something like that. If you're interested in doing that, look for me there. If you're not, nah, that's fine, whatever. Uh, all right, so this episode, episode 194, is called Church and State. Okay? Uh, I'm sure you're like, oh no, oh God, or whatever. Maybe you're interested, maybe you're not interested. You should be, because what we're going to be talking about with our guests is. To me, really crazy. 
This idea of separation of church and state, you've heard it all your lives, okay? Now, I don't know because I can't see you right now, but I imagine when I ask this question, there's going to be a large amount of you that probably would get it wrong, and that doesn't mean you're bad, it doesn't mean you're dumb, it doesn't mean you don't know politics, because this stumps a lot of people. How many of you out there are aware that the words separation of church and state do not appear in any of our founding documents? You've heard people say, oh, we've got separation of church and state. You've heard that forever. Or people say, I don't believe in the separation of church and state. Or we need more separation of church and state. We, the, the, it, blah, 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 blah. Do, how many people out there know that those words do not appear in any of our documents, okay? That's important because of what we're going to be talking about. Just because those words don't appear doesn't mean that the concept of those words isn't in our founding documents. And I will actually state, and my opinion is, the idea of separation of church and state, not only is that idea, the concept, in our founding documents, but it's at the very beginning of one of the most Maybe not important, but it's at the beginning of the, the very first amendment. It's at the very beginning. It's not like in the 10th amendment. It's not in the 8th amendment or the 4th amendment, or it's not in the 2nd amendment even. Hell, it's not even in the second half of the first amendment. It's the first 16 words of the very first amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America. To me, that placement there means something. And now, for those of you that are saying, well, wait a minute, the first amendment, that's, that's the freedom of speech. That's like, isn't that freedom of speech and freedom of press? Well, yes, yes it is. But the first amendment is the breakdown of several rights all surrounding the importance and the idea of expression and really what can be more important to those that believe or those that practice various religions, what can be a more important expression than that of an individual of a citizen's religious beliefs and their religious expressions. That is probably one of the most important. And if you think about the founding fathers and you think about all that came before them and what they were leaving and where they were leaving and why they were leaving where they were, and why they were wanting to set up a new country, why they were wanting to break away from England and out from underneath the king and the church of England, you can really understand why this placement is where it was. Because yes, obviously, the country and the founding fathers 
all came to be because we wanted to get out from underneath the king. We didn't want to be subjects anymore. We believed that our rights were given to us by a creator and that the country should be there and the government's responsibility wasn't to give us those rights or take rights away from us, but they were there to protect those rights from being taken away. And we shouldn't be paying taxes on things that we had no say about. You know, the whole idea of taxation without representation. But besides all of that, getting away from religious oppression was really high on the list of what those that came to the new world was all about. That's what it was all about. That's why I truly believe that these first 16 words are found at the very beginning. They are the first 16 words of the First Amendment to the Constitution. I think that placement has to mean something. Uh, just, I've always believed that, and I would dare anybody else to tell me differently. Now, for those that say, hey, it's been a minute since I was in history class, and yeah, I know it's freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of religion. I know all of that, but I don't really know the entire text of the First Amendment. I want to make sure that we are all on the same playing field here. So for all of us, just so we all are aware, the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States of America is as follows. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That's the first 16 words. It then goes on to say, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That's the entirety of the First Amendment. But going back to those first 16 words, I'm going to read it again. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, we're getting ready to take a quick break so we can take care of our sponsorships now. That way, when we come back and we're joined by our guests, we can get right into it. And when the train gets a rolling, we won't have to stop in the middle of it for sponsorships. I love the sponsorships. I love that they are a part of the family and that we are a part of their families, but I want to get it out of the way early so we can have the whole meat of the conversation and you can hear from the experts that we have put together for this episode and nothing will molest or stop or break that train of thought once we get into it because it's going to be a great conversation I just know it. I can feel it in my bones. But while we're taking this break, I want you to think to yourselves about the placement of those 16 words. I want you to think about what those 16 words mean to you. Are you religious? Are you not religious? Do you think that the Constitution is a document that was written and it should never be changed and that's the way it was and that's how it should be and that's how it should always be? 
Do you think the Constitution can be molded and shaped and changed throughout the years? Think about this. Do those words, when they're read together, mean the same thing that, quote-unquote, the separation of church and state means? Now, I know we haven't talked about that exactly, and when we get back, I promise we will talk about where those words, the separation of church and state, came from, what they mean, and all of that hubbub. But be thinking about what you know of it, and be thinking about how it applies to your life, what you believe, what you don't believe, and how you feel. Do you think that those words matter? They don't matter. They should be able to be molded. We think that they're important today. They're outdated today. Be thinking about all of that. And I do want to say right now before we get started, and we'll talk about it when we come back, but I am not knocking religion. I am a believer. I am a strong believer. I do believe in Jesus Christ. I am a Christian and Christ is my Lord and Savior. I have a strong belief in religion, and I am very spiritual in my life, and Christianity plays a role, a very important and dominant role in my life. So what we're going to be talking about comes from my perspective as a human being, knowing politics, understanding politics, being a believer. And so I will be basing my opinions, a lot of my opinions on all of that and my life experiences. And of course, I'll be talking to the guests about where they stand with all of that as well. So you guys sit tight, be thinking about all of that. And when we return, we will get this party started. You guys are listening to this 194th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilber. We'll be right back. Hiring is step one when it comes to our growth. We can't open a new shop or a new location without the right people in place. I couldn't keep up until I found ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter helps us get out there quickly and get us qualified candidates quickly. They sent us applicants that matched what I was looking for. I've hired for every role, entry-level technicians, service advisors, store managers. ZipRecruiter helps me find all the right people, even the most difficult jobs to fill. ZipRecruiter, rated the number one hiring site. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Fox. All right, guys, we're looking for new commercial ideas to promote the lawnmower 4.0 below the waist trimmer. Now, we're really trying to avoid any testicle or butt-shaving innuendo for this ad, so let's try to keep it classy, okay? But why, sir, should we beat around the bush? We'd really rather focus on how the skin-safe technology helps reduce nicks and cuts rather than the area that we're shaving this time. Uh, may I offer a rebuttal? Why did you say rebuttal like that? Guys, let's focus. Let's talk about how it's uh, waterproof for anybody who wants to shave in the shower. I'm sorry, but this is an asinine idea. <laughs> yeah, I think it's completely cockamamie, if you ask me. <laughs> Guys, now listen, I don't want to be a dictator here. If you're a dictator, does that mean that you can punish us under the penal system? <laughs> we don't need to resort to children's bathroom humor. Let's talk about how the Lawnmower 4.0 has a travel lock. It won't turn on in your luggage. Let's talk about how it has a new adjustable guards and an LED light. Be better than fallen bunchups. What do you say, guys? What do you say? 
Oh, I'm glad we got that rectified. Like, like rectums. Right? Was that good? Did you like that one? Oh my gosh, good work. I give up. You're all animals. All of you. Go to manscaped.com and order your lawnmower 4.0 today. We're back playing today's new music and the greatest hits of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. No, no, really, that's not what we're doing. We're back and we are joined... For this 194th episode of Perception is Reality by three of my very goodest, bestest, bestest buddy friends in the world. Uh, you know them. You love them. Basically, kind of, maybe, probably not. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, depends on how long you've been listening and how long you've been uh, palling around on the lives with us. We are joined by none other than producers Kate and Niles Thornburg, uh, also known as the Vulgar Poets. And we are joined by honorary producer. We're going to call him honorary producer. I guess eventually maybe he'll lose that title and we'll move him up to producer producer. I don't know. Honorary producer. He's been helping us out with quite a bit here lately. Brandon Clower. It's going to be interesting because I've never done it with this many people at once. I said I've never done it with this many people at once. I was waiting for somebody to say something there, but <laughs> nobody did. We're trying to behave, Christopher. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So, all right, let's get into this. Because I feel like pretty much everybody knows where everybody stands politically, belief-wise, and all of that, it's probably not a thing, but just in case we have some new listeners for this brand new episode 194 and for the future listeners, why don't we kind of go through where all of you guys stand? Brandon, you want to let everybody know where you fall politically speaking? I'd say I'm more right-leaning. I'm um, fiscally conservative, um, socially sometimes a little more liberal, but I'm, I'd probably identify as uh, right-leaning libertarian. Okay. Um, I was raised Catholic, so I have those Christian beliefs. But, oh, I didn't know that um, about you. Yeah, so I'm I'm right-leaning. Okay, well, I knew you, I knew where you stood politically, but I didn't know you were raised Catholic. That's interesting. Did you go to a Catholic school? I did. Oh wow, that's really interesting. I I did not know that. Hmm. See, you learn something every day. All right, so you guys now, Kate and Niles, were... Where do you guys fall for the listeners? Constitutionally conservative, fiscally conservative, and slightly socially liberal. So I fall squarely in libertarianism. <laughs> I um, I'm the county chair for the Libertarian Party here in Randolph County. Okay. Well, yeah, so that's probably pretty important that you fall in the libertarian category. It, it, uh, yeah, it does. I think it's kind of probably a little important. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's good. Okay. And uh, Niles, I guess that means your last. It's easier than a colonoscopy. Constitutionally conservative, socially liberal. Okay. I don't care what you do. It's your body, your house. Just You don't bother me. I don't give a fuck. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. If I take my rights away, then we got problems. Absolutely. And I agree with that 100%. And that takes us to 
the topic of this episode, your rights and what rights we have and what the Constitution says, specifically around the First Amendment right. So I've been talking to you guys before we were recording, and I've been talking with the audience before you guys came on about the quote-unquote idea of separation of church and state, and I've talked about how that doesn't appear in the Constitution, it doesn't appear in the Declaration of Independence, it doesn't really appear in any of our other founding documents. However, the First Amendment clearly lays out what our freedom of and freedom from religion is in this country. However, I was talking to a group of liberals that I'm friends with, and we were recently talking about how there is a push from those on the right, that's how they stated this to me, that there is a push from those on the right to attempt to make Christianity a national religion and that the GOP wants to be, quote-unquote, the party of Christian nationalism. And I was like, yeah, there's no way that could ever happen. And I was talking to a couple different people And they were like, man, you really can't say that because look at where we're at. Look at everything that you fight, all of the stuff that goes wrong. Look at who's in office locally and who's won in various places around the country. You know, if you look at state senator uh, from Indiana's 26th district, Mike Gaskell, look at Representative J.D. Prescott, look at a couple of the candidates that were running in contested races or tried to run in contested races just in this year's Indiana races. Look at folks on the national level like Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene and listen to what some of those people are saying. And then one of these liberals I was talking to that I'm a friend with said that she was really afraid that we were headed down a path similar to what Iran was dealing with before the Iranian Revolution of 1979 and then dealing with what they're dealing with now from 79 to to now, to present day. And I was like, man, there's just, I don't believe that America could ever head in that path. But then she sent me a couple links, and it was really interesting. And I am somebody who reads from the political news magazine website Politico a lot. Uh, I I look at, read, and study various different things from both the left, the right, the middle, the up, the down. I look at news and news sources and commentary pieces from all over the spectrum. Politico is kind of middle of the road. To me, it's a little left-leaning. And so when this was initially sent to me, I thought, okay, this is just more rhetoric. It's just more of the marching orders of the Democrats, blah, blah, blah. 
But I read this and I read the study that was talked about in this article and I looked it up and it's a real thing and it's kind of scary. Now, for those of you that are listening, I'm going to copy the link to this article in the description of this episode so you can click on it and read this for yourself. But this is an article from Politico, which is a political science news online magazine website. And this was published on the 21st of September, 2022. And the headline is, Most Republicans Support Declaring the United States a Christian Nation. Now, okay, on the face of that, that doesn't sound too bad. Hey, I believe in God. You know, this sounds wonderful. Yay! But you've really got to think about what that means. What does that mean for people who aren't Christian? What does that mean for people who are Jewish? People who are Islamic? What does that mean for people that are atheist? How does America go about becoming a quote-unquote Christian nation? All right, let's look at this article. So below that it says, new polling shows the appeal and limits of a Christian nationalist message. All right, let's get into this article. Christian nationalism, a belief that the United States was founded as a white Christian nation and that there is no separation between church and state, is gaining steam on the right. And really, I don't understand how that could be because people on the right say they are defenders of freedom and liberty and they love the Constitution. So this makes no real sense to me, but let's go on. It says, prominent Republican politicians have made the themes critical to their message to voters in the run-up to the 2022 midterm elections. A Republican nominee for governor of Pennsylvania has argued that America is a Christian nation and that the separation of church and state that is talked about is a myth. Representative Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Georgia hardliner, has declared, we need to be the party of nationalism, and I'm a Christian, and I say it proudly. We should be a Christian nationalist party. Amid a backlash, she has even doubled down and announced that she's going to start selling shirts that say Christian nationalist on them. Now, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis seems to be flirting with the Christian nationalist rhetoric as well. That's crazy to me. Because of what we know is laid out in the First Amendment. All right, let's go on. This article says, Appeals to Christian nationalism have long traditions in American history, though they have usually operated on the fringes but the increasingly mainstream appearance of this belief in the GOP circles makes sense if you look at new public opinion surveys. A University of Maryland critical issues poll suggests that declaring the United States a Christian nation is a message that could be broadly embraced by Republicans in the midterms and the 2024 presidential race. But the findings also see limits to its appeal. And over the long term, Christian nationalism could be and should be a political loser. Most Republicans say Christian nationalism is unconstitutional. However, they still support it. 
the national poll, which included 2,091 participants, carried out from May 6th through 16, 2022, with a margin of error of plus or minus 2.14%, stated the following. They asked participants if they believed in the Constitution and if the Constitution would even allow the United States government to declare the U.S. a Christian nation. And they found that 70% of Americans, which were made up of 50% of Republicans and 81% of Democrats, said the Constitution would not allow such a declaration. And I absolutely agree. It would not. Indeed, the First Amendment says Congress can neither establish nor prohibit the practice of a religion. That's just black and white what the First Amendment right says. Most respondents say Christian nationalism is unconstitutional, the poll says. Okay? Here's what kills me. The follow-up question says, would you favor or oppose the United States officially declaring the United States a Christian nation? And it says the findings are striking. Overall, 62% of respondents said they opposed such a declaration, including 83% of Democrats. So 83% of Democrats are saying, no, I'm not down with this. But only 39% of Republicans said they opposed it. 61% of Republicans supported declaring the United States a Christian nation. In other words, even though over half of the Republicans previously said such a move would be unconstitutional, a majority still said GOP voters would support this declaration, they would too. And that blows my mind because as we are seeing, something is going on where this whole quote-unquote religion of party is really taking over and you're not allowed to disagree with the Republican Party. If the Republican or a Republican or lots of Republicans or all the Republicans are doing something wrong, we are all, quote-unquote, as Republicans or constitutionalists or conservatives, supposed to say, yes, we agree with that, and not raise any questions. If a Republican is over here saying, the sky is green and the grass is purple, we can't be like, no, that's not correct. We have to say, yay, go Republican. And so when you hear about this, and you see this kind of craziness, it's really concerning. A Washington Post article, which I will also link in the description of this episode, says Republicans mostly mum on calls to make GOP a party of Christian nationalism. But then it goes on down in the article to say Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia has spent much of the summer calling on her fellow Republicans to become the party of Christian nationalism, even selling t-shirts with the slogan, proud Christian nationalist on it. It blows me away. Okay, this blows me away. This goes on to say that Representative Lauren Boebert from Colorado has been quoted as saying, 
She's tired of the separation of church and state junk that is, quote-unquote, not in the Constitution, which makes me wonder if she's ever actually read the Constitution. Now, I do have to say that they did get a quote from Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma, and Lankford, as the listeners may or may not know, is a major, major, hardcore, conservative, Southern Baptist man. He earned a Master's of Divinity from Southwestern Baptist Theology Seminary, and he occasionally performs marriages and counsels uh, Christian couples before weddings. He answered a questionnaire by the Washington Post. And his answer, I just absolutely love, because he says the following, I took an oath to defend the U.S. Constitution, which states, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Okay, He goes on to say, while my personal faith is firmly in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, Our nation protects the right of each person to choose any faith, change their faith, or have no faith. That has been true from George Washington through present. And I love what he says there, but what scares me is knowing who I deal with locally, dealing with people like Dan Ridenour, who his supporters say, you can't say anything negative against him. He's a good man. He's a really good guy. He's a good Christian. Bob McCoy, his administration in Winchester, they're praying for people coming in for City Hall. And you can't ask questions because that's going against him. And he brings out scripture when that happens. And you've got people like Representative J.D. Prescott, a state representative who talks all the time about his Christianity over that of doing what's right for his constituents. Uh, Senator, State Senator Mike Gaskell on the floor of the State House said that he's there not to represent his voters, the constituents, the people of his district, those that voted and those that didn't, but he's there to represent Jesus. And I'll tell you right now, as a follower and a lover of Jesus Christ, And as an American, that statement really kind of bothered me. And I just, I I, got to tell you, like it sounds crazy to say, oh, you know, we could be heading down the road that Iran went down. And if you don't know what I'm talking about there, listeners, before 1979, in the 50s and 60s, the women in Iran and the, the men, they looked just like us. Okay, they wore regular clothing and the the girls all had short skirts like like we did here, the Americans did in the 60s. And it was kind of like the summer of love and music and all of that. And then as they went through the 70s, they started having revolutions and and there started becoming the uh, Iranian revolution. And in 1979, that all changed, and Islam became the national religion of that country, and it changed in a second. No more was it a free country like it had been. And so these liberals that were talking to me, man, I, I have a hard time seeing how we 
as America could get there. But then reading this and seeing just a few of these people, hell, they're already in elected office. And knowing who we deal with here locally, they're elected. They're the Republicans that are doing this craziness. And what we're being told is you can't question a Republican. You can't question somebody that's on our side. And that really, really scares me because I see who's also lining up out there under the banner of being freedom-minded, liberty-minded, liberty defense, freedom defense, and all of this lining up to say, yes, this is what we want to do. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to protect the Constitution. So I know I've went on and on and on, but I'm going to kick it to you guys, and I want to know, like, (sighs) do you guys see this happening? Am I off base with this? You know, we're supposed to be freedom-minded, and these people are out here running, and they're supposed to be quote-unquote conservatives and freedom-minded folks and really believe in the Constitution. You know, surely the Constitution and those of us out here can stop this, right? I mean, this can't happen, or can it? Because, I mean, look at what we've got going on. Look at what we've been fighting locally at the state level, at the national level. We have locally all of this craziness going on. At the state level, look at what goes on with the super-duper Republican majority, and you can't ever hold any of them accountable for anything. And, I mean, look at the, the population, most of the people out there just simply don't care and are basically asleep. That's why we're in the place we're in, Chris. They know it's unconstitutional, but they're willing to do it anyway. I mean, in the founding documents, it says any law that is repugnant to the Constitution is null and void. But we have an amendment that is repugnant to the Constitution, and we still follow it. And that's the federal income tax. Right. It's clearly stated in the founding documents that that's the federal government could only take income taxes from the citizens for one year, and then that money has to be returned to the states from which it came. Yeah, but then they made the amendment so they could say, no, no, look, now we can do this, but that should be null and void. We don't have to follow it according to the founding document, but people play along and do it anyway. The government's going to do whatever they can. In the 60s, it really became us versus them mentality with the government. Absolutely. They don't teach government for a reason. They don't want people to know their rights. It's like the separation of church and state had nothing to do with protecting the government from the church. It protected the church from the government. They just came from England where you had a state church. Henry VIII created the Church of England so he could get a divorce because he was Catholic up to that point and the Pope would not grant him a divorce. So he created his own church and got a divorce. And then we went through the whole, you know, because I would say 70% of all Christians can't comprehend that Catholics are Christians. So going by history, going by United States history and religion in the United States, if you declare this a Christian nation, then Catholicism would be dead in this country. And then it would go like it did in England, where they start hunting Catholics down. Well, absolutely. And Jews and Muslims and, you know, maybe atheists or or Wiccans or, you know, who, whatever your religion is, you know, as long as it doesn't jive 
with the national religion, you know? If we declared ourselves a Christian nation, the government's creeping into Christianity. Absolutely. And eventually you'll end up with the Church of America that is run by the same idiots <laughs> right. who are driving us into poverty. And that's what they wanted to avoid. This kind of, People forget that when you know we broke away from England, there was a lot of fights with how we were going to set this up. There was a lot of disagreements, arguments. This took years to do this. Sure. They, and they drew from past. Yeah, and, and writing the, the Bill of Rights, you put the religion first because... These are mostly from European descent. Yeah. So you have hundreds and hundreds of years of religious wars. Millions of people killed over Protestantism, Catholicism. Which version of Catholicism are we going to follow? Right. You know, the 80 years war, I mean, the 30 years war. Frederick the, Great, Frederick the Great, the king of Prussia, did an alliance with France. And like all of Europe was in outrage because that was the first time in history that a protestant and catholic nations formed an alliance in europe and it upset the balance the it, problem with the other problem with the state religion is that you run into you're coming from european descent these are run by kings the kings got their authority from the church and they use the church as not only the reason for their oppression of the people but also as a weapon against the people. Which, ultimately, you know, we don't want to think of our religions being. I mean, you know, no one likes to talk about all of the atrocities that religions and religious wars have caused, so nobody wants to think of their religion being used as some kind of weapon now or in the future, and people don't understand that. You know, going back to a point that Niles made earlier about this, you know, separation of church and state, that idea isn't necessarily to save the government from the church, but rather the church from the government. Both of these are important institutions. A founding father, James Madison, actually wrote a letter that spoke about this, and in the letter he said, "...practical distinction between religion and civil government is essential to the purity of both." and as guaranteed by the Constitution of the United States of America, is needed. And I very much agree with that, and I honestly do not understand how folks like Representative Lauren Boebert and Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and other good Christian, conservative, liberty-minded freedom fighters don't understand these words. Do they just look over these words? Do they not care about these words? Do it, it, It's kind of like the idea of modern Christians picking and choosing from the Bible and from the Word of God what they want to believe, what they want to listen to today, what they're, what they're going to fit into their lives as you know, their dogma and, and what they believe. And it's kind of like these folks that are so-called conservative liber liberty fighters and, and Republicans are picking and choosing also now 
from the Constitution and from our founding documents and from what it means to be a conservative, from what it means to be a liberty, freedom-minded individual. And it just, it drives me insane how they do not understand this and how they're pushing this kind of garbage and how she can say that the idea or the myth of separation of church and state isn't in the Constitution. Lauren, have you read the First Amendment? Uh, Somebody, we need to send it to her. I think I'm going to email her in great big font the first 16 words of the First Amendment and ask her what those 16 words exactly mean to her. Look, I guess I get it because elected officials can be dumb. They can be really smart. They can have good degrees. They can have good jobs. They can do a lot of great things, but they can be really, really dumb. And the power kind of like rots their brain, I guess, and all of that. I get that. But what I don't understand is all of the folks out here that are doing everything that they're doing, saying everything that they're saying. It's just like the whole idea of after Trump lost, okay? You've got people out here talking about overturning elections and they're going to do this and they're talking about being good, hardcore, down-home Republicans and conservatives and they're wanting to do all of this crazy stuff that... If the other side was talking about doing it, we would be looking at them thinking that they were being terrorist or that they were doing something that they shouldn't be doing and we would be really rallying against them talking the way that our own side is. So I just don't understand this ability to be blind to this stupidity. And I know that this is something that Brandon talks about a lot, and Brandon and I have focused on, and matter of fact, I just did one of my live at 35 After live video episodes here a few nights ago, and I was talking kind of about this same topic, about there being this gentleman who used to really love what I did as long as I was doing it to a Democrat. But now he has all these issues with me because, well, I also happen to want my Republican elected officials to not be corrupt, crazy shitheads doing the worst that they can to us. I want to hold them accountable as well, and this guy just doesn't understand how I could be as bad, as mean, as egotistical. I could be a little boy and just want to complain and pout, and I'm just out here to do all sorts of evil and damage to this good Republican man, and I'm like, wait a minute. Like, literally, all I'm doing is asking questions and wanting this man to answer and be accountable for his actions. When I was doing that to a Democrat, you were shaking my hand. Now, why are you so blind to what's going on just because this guy has an R behind his name? Like, I don't know, Brandon, thoughts? I was getting kind of frustrated as, as you're reading those poll numbers. You, 
you've got all these people who claim to be Republicans, which used to be the party of the Constitution. And like you said, it's not explicitly stated, but we know there's a separation of church and state, but we get so divided into this mindset of politically now we're bringing this religion into it. We're so religiously divided that we're saying, yeah, this is my team. So as long as my team's in control, I, I'm cool with this. This is great. Let's move forward with what I support. And like you said, I mean, if it's the other team that shoes on the other foot, probably a much different attitude. Well, hell yeah, because right now it's all of these quote unquote conservative, liberty, freedom minded and freedom fighting conservative Republicans that are saying we've got people in places and we're going to win more elections. Red wave. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to create this national religion, which is going to be Christianity. And then they don't really think about what happens when the uh, pendulum swings back the other way and the other side takes control and they say, all right, now our national religion is going to be uh, the religion of Wiccan, wicked witch, witching, wizard, wizardry or whatever it is, or it's going to be, uh, you know, Hare Krishna or it's going to be Islamic religious studies or whatever, you know, I just don't understand what they're thinking, really, because it it always goes both ways, eventually. It all goes back to studying. Number one, they need to have history books in colleges, universities, and high schools that are written by people who are apolitical and don't hate America. That would be a <laughs> right. good start. Yeah. Um, the founding fathers and people in that general era were much more intelligent than us. They, they wrote very well. They, their, their language base was – their vocabulary is a lot larger than most people. Sure. Um, and the people read about the founding fathers, and they, you know, they, can, they find these documents you know, about discussions they were having. It's stated in the Constitution. It's just not worded like we think it should be worded. Right. Property taxes are unconstitutional because when they were writing the Declaration, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, they left it at Pursuit of Happiness because it was a question was asked, should we put in here property? And they all came to an agreement that Pursuit of Happiness clearly included property so that sure. they didn't need to put it in there. Knowing that, the state can take your property because you don't pay taxes on it which the founding fathers would have never dreamt would happen in this country because there is no pursuit of happiness. Nothing is yours now. And, that, and that's where all this stuff gets misconstrued. The same thing with the Roe v. Wade. The Supreme Court had no business making a ruling on that. The Constitution does not give the federal government authority to make those kind of decisions. And it also says that whatever authority is not given to the federal government automatically falls to the state and or the people. Yep. That is a state issue. It's a constitutionally a state issue. And they had no business making that ruling. So the fact that the Supreme Court backpedaled and said, you know what? We can't. We got to overturn this. This isn't in our, this isn't in our purview. That, that's constitutional. Now, what the states do, that's where the people get involved. That's where the people have the power because now it's at a more local level and you can put a lot more pressure on your state elected officials. And, and if you don't like the decision they make, and you vote against them and get them out and get, get people up, in the chair. Shut the Capitol building down. Yeah. 
the right for peaceful protest. If you don't like it, shut them down. Okay, and that sounds great, and we would all be involved with that. We would all take part in doing that. That's the four of us. The question is, how do you get that to translate to actual people? Actual people that are listening to this, that like what we're talking about, that agree with what we're talking about, that agree with us, that say, yes, keep it up, that listen to me weekend and week out, that listen to all my live videos, that listen to all my updates, that read all my posts, that watch and listen to everything that I do. They've listened to every one of these audio episodes, some of them two and three times, and they communicate with me but yet they barely vote, they don't go to meetings, they don't show up to protests, and they really just don't show up where it counts. How do we get what we're talking about to translate to the real people? And folks out there, listeners, I'm not putting any one specific person down. I know that all of my audience is fantastic. I also know that I have some listeners that aren't as involved as others. And look, I get it. I'm just talking because these are questions that have to be asked. You can't. It hasn't gotten that bad yet. Country uh, have had it good for so long. That's absolutely mind-blowing that, that you can say it, that, that we can say that. I mean, I, I agree with you. I understand what you're saying. I, I believe you. I don't think that you're wrong. It's just crazy that that's real. People in America don't know what it is to suffer. They become apathetic. Yes. We're headed that way. And there are people that are throwing out, you know, the red flags and saying, hey, this is not right. We're, this is not going to end well. People would rather put on their blinders, follow whatever party or person that they support and try and make themselves believe they're right. Then look in the mirror and say, I've made a mistake and we've got to stop this. You know, we're all going to hell in a handbasket, but at least my team's driving the train. <laughs> Niles' point about not getting bad enough reminds me of a story. Um, I, I'm, um, I heard a story that about um, several years ago, uh, saw through. Or that, hey, this is gonna this is gonna affect. And we really need you to not. Wow, really? That's just you know, I I, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, if you've been listening or watching me in any form. Uh, for any length of time, you know that I always keep my sources secret. I never burn anyone. The story that Brandon just told us there had some information that I honestly felt was too hot for the pod. And so that's why, unfortunately, you heard those annoying beeps. I apologize for that, but... As you may or may not know, and we won't go too far into it, Brandon Clower is kind of a man's man. He is a hero among men, and some of his information and stories just can't be shared with mere mortals. So I apologize for that, and now back to the episode. So Brandon, what do people like that say at that point? 
really they're just kind of frustrated you know it's like a, well i'm they just get angry it's well we need to fix this i'm i'm gonna keep writing anyway wow i just it's that's oh man that's so frustrating yeah it's it's frustrating it's hard to get people motivated so that's a that's a good question and i don't know if there's a, a great answer to it the only lesson we can learn from history is that man never learns from history. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. What's really crazy to me is a situation, and I talk about this a lot, and I know that the listeners are probably familiar with this, and I know that you guys are, but the situation that occurred in August of 2019 at a Muncie, Indiana City Council meeting, the city government in Muncie had been working for months on an economic development deal, bringing this factory in. They were going to build a brand new factory and bring in lots of workers and start this factory up that was going to be doing some kind of work with steel and chemicals and smelting. And everybody in city government was really great and happy and thought this was, you know, the end-all be-all because they were going to set up on this old site of where a factory had been forever in Muncie, Borg Warner, and it has been vacant for years now. And this was a done deal. They had already broken ground. They had been talking about this in open public city council meetings, board of works meetings, economic development meetings, all of this stuff for weeks and months. And I was listening to all of this stuff as I was attending meetings and I was thinking, man, surely people have to not be happy about this and all of the issues with the environment and safety and all of this because it sounds like it's going to be pumping a lot of crap into the air and it's all west of Muncie blowing everything basically all over Muncie and I was like raising the alarm but there was nobody attending those meetings in the early stages and then all of a sudden, something happens. I don't know if it was a newspaper article, or I don't know if just people were bored on a certain Saturday or Sunday, and someone paid attention to something all of a sudden. But like literally, with two weeks to go before it was like cranking out, and there was no turning back at this point, all of a sudden, the entire citizenry of Muncie erupted and they wanted to fight this and people were calling their elected officials within the city calling their elected officials within the county they were calling and emailing state officials and everybody was activating and getting educated and they were holding neighborhood meetings and they were talking to doctors and scientists and they were talking to the federal government and it was amazing and then all of a sudden it culminated at this one city council meeting like on the 5th or 6th of August 2019 when at the Muncie City Council chambers at Muncie City Hall which is on the first floor this is a building where normally a hundred, a hundred and fifty people, maybe two hundred if it's something really crazy's going on is in there. I think it's 
full capacity is 400. 1,250, 1,300 people showed up. It was standing room only. The room was completely overfilled. It was nuts. There was like 410 people inside, and there were people all the way down all three of the corridors in Muncie City Hall's lower level. It reached out the door, out the parking lot, and all the way over into the next business parking lot, and it was insane. Like I said, 1,250 1,300 people showed up. News media showed up. There were reporters that have been in news, politics, government for 15, 20, 30 years that were saying, this was the craziest meeting that I have ever attended. There were so many people here. It was insane. All of this stuff was going on. And basically, the largest group I've ever seen show up to a governmental meeting said, huh we don't want this, and you elected officials need to do whatever you can do, whatever you have to do, uh, to stop this. And the elected officials said, it's a done deal. And the public said, no, no, it's not. We don't want this. We don't want you to want it. And this is going to be your problem. And I thought it was wonderful. And what happened is, basically, in about a week and a half, two weeks... The citizenry of Muncie was able to kill this because of their education on this, the work that they were putting in, because of the way they came together, and people were doing the things that were like conducive to their strengths, and they weren't doing everything because some people can't do all things. People were doing the things they were good at, and some people were making phone calls, and some people were standing up and speaking out at meetings. Some people were emailing. Some people were making signs, and everybody came together, and it was great, but there were a couple of lessons that I learned from this is Number one, I said, it's great that 1,250 people, 1,300 people show up at this meeting. But what would really be good is if we can get the same meeting to show up next month. Or I'll tell you what, let's scale it back some because I understand probably 1,300 people won't show up at the next meeting. Why don't we shoot for 400? I know there have to be 400 people in this mob that can show up at the next meeting. And it's not just the next meeting meeting in a month from now. I mean, the Board of Works meeting that's in in a week, in the morning at 9 a.m. Can we get a good 250, 300, 400 people to show up? That's what we need because 1,250 people scare the hell out of them now. The only thing scarier than that is if a very large percentage of these people show up at the next meeting and then another large group shows up at the next meeting and we keep it up because, yes, anybody can show up for a happening and a, a good time. Someone can say, hey, I want to go check out the drama because I guarantee you there was a lot of people there that just was there for the freak show environment of it all. And I, I guarantee you that was the case. But there were a lot of people there, and I would say probably 85-90% of the people there that really cared about what was going on. And I was like, why can't we get a percentage of you folks to say, 
yeah, I'll come back to the next meeting. Yes, I think it's important to do this again and again and again because that's not what happened. At the very next meeting, when I thought that it would be important to have a lot of people packing the halls, we had 10 people show up. Now, the situation was already in the works of being defeated and people were still calling behind the scenes and emailings and the situation was beat back and they killed it. But the other thing, well, and, and so that really bothered me, the fact that people just won't show up to meetings. So that bothered me. Like they would show up once and they'll email and they will call and they'll make signs, but man, they can't show up twice or they can't show up every month. They can't show up every two weeks. Like, people aren't that invested. The other thing that I learned that I was getting ready to say just a second ago, and it's kind of the part of this is, had people been invested and had people been going to meetings, that level of craziness would never have been needed because this didn't just pop up that day and 1,200 people say, okay, I'm going to go. This had been being worked on for weeks and weeks and weeks and months. It had been talked about at public council meetings and, like I said, board of works meetings and economic development meetings and city and county and state officials had all been talking about this. It had been in the newspaper. Like I said, they broke ground at this facility, I believe. City hall officials and the people from the factory were all there. They came in. They brought in a nice, cute guy from, like, Liverpool. They brought in one of the Beatles to talk about it. And it was, like, it was like amazing. And with Ringo Starr and everything, no one knew about this until it was, like, at the 11th hour. Hell, I don't even think it was the 11th hour. It was more like, it was like the clock has struck midnight and we're a minute past, and people are like, we want this stopped. And I'm like, man, you know, it was kind of touchy. Even though that many people showed up and people were really putting pressure and it was going to get stopped or Muncie was going to run the officials out of town and that would have happened. But I almost would have been mad because I'm like, it's your fault. If you citizens would have been paying attention weeks and months ago, it might not have needed to get this close to the wire. And so that frustrates me. People need to pay attention all the time. In the boring moments is when they're talking about the things that six months from now is going to cause everybody to be, you know, at their wit's end and ready to storm the government building. And that's what I need people to understand. At the 11th hour is not the time to try to gather everyone into the horde. You want people to be the watchers and paying attention. And if you aren't part of that, you at least need to be paying attention to what's going on. Everybody needs to be doing their part. And I feel like very, very, very few people actually are. And it just, I don't understand how to get people 
turned on and tuned in to the importance of this. At the federal level, yes, be pissed off. Watch what's going on with the president. Watch what's going on with your United States senators and United States representatives. Watch what's going on at the state level, your governors, your secretaries of states, all of that. But damn it, watch what's going on at City Hall. Watch what your mayor's doing. Watch what your commissioners are doing. Understand your street department, your police department. Know who affects you most all the time in your life. And be prepared to do something about it. Be prepared to know who these people are and support them or run them out of the office. Something. I just don't understand how to turn people onto that. What what really freaks me out about all of this is back to what Niles said. When Niles said, no one has had it bad enough. We haven't had it bad enough here to make people want to be as involved as what we're asking, which is what the Founding Fathers thought just everyday random Americans would do. They thought people would be involved and would watch what was going on and, and you know, be observant. But the thing is, you're right. People haven't had it bad enough, but as bad as it is, my fear, and I feel like like this is, you know, prophecy, I guess. By the time that we do have it bad enough, we're going to be late. shit out of luck. It's going to be too late. It'll, we'll eventually get to a point where it is too late. Yeah. Nothing in this country should have gotten this far. I mean, everybody can look in the mirror. Everybody needs to look in the mirror and say, this is my fault. Yes. This is my fault. And we need to fix this. You know, of the people, by the people, for the people. That does require the people to actually do something. <laughs> right. Um, if you roll over and play dead, you're giving up your authority and allowing the government to seize power. And the government doesn't give shit back. It has to be taken back. Well, you know, that governments are, you know, established and they are derived from the consent of the government. If the public is not even willing to stand up and say, sure, you have my consent. The government's just going to say, okay, well, we have it. We, you know, got voted in. So there's our consent and, you know, we'll do what we want. It's just like these um, Paris climate accord things and all these other things they want to sign on to. The government doesn't have the power to do that. The federal government does not have the constitutional authority to do that because those agreements or pacts go against the constitution. They're null and void. I mean, the founding fathers said it. Anything that is repugnant to the Constitution is null and void and therefore does not need followed. I, I would just steal Christopher's line here and say, um, what is the most important role in the government is the citizen. And like you said, Niles, to, to be a citizen, it, it takes work. I mean, if, if you're going to sit down and, and let things happen, things are going to happen, right? And you have to share the blame. Yeah. The thing that I hate is, as political as we are, and as in tune as we are, and other people in circles that we run in, like, I hear you say, you know, everything that you were just saying, Niles, like, you know, it's in the Constitution and this and that, and, and, and it almost, 
it almost even to me sounds like cliche and just like, okay, it's in the Constitution. We're going to like take it back. Everybody get ready. Let's rock and roll. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, nobody cares. Nobody's listening. Nobody really thinks it. Nobody really means it. Everybody just says it. And, and I, I get that. I get that kind of feeling because that's the sense that I get from everyone else. That's the feeling that I get from everyone else. Even the people, like the people who are saying this, and they say it and they say it, and, and I'm like, what good does it do to say it if you don't show up? If yep. you're not out here doing it, the people who literally l listen to my live video show five nights a week, and I'm like, hey, you know what you ought to do? You ought to take one extra night or one extra hour and listen to the audio podcast. And you ought to share that with like two people. Just share it with two people. That's all you need to do. People will listen. They like to be involved, but they, they won't take the extra step to share it. Or they like won't take the extra step to talk to people about it. Or they won't, they won't, I'm like, don't watch my show one night. Go do your own thing and, and come to a meeting. I would rather you do that. See, it, I look at the Constitution. Everyone should carry a pocket Constitution. Yes. I used to be a union steward. Years ago, I was, a couple years, I was in the UAW. And I was the union steward on nights, and I carried the um, bylaws in my pocket. And every day I'd walk past the former and fuck you, Chuck. Right. <laughs> and then when, you know, we were going to be laid off and they were trying to run production higher to get rid of people faster. You know, I shut the line down. We hit our rate, our production. I'd rather work longer and have more paychecks than get a couple big paychecks and not have a job. Right. And, man, that dude would come around the corner, start this line, start this, you're going to run. I'd pull out my, my bylaws, and, like, it says right here, Chuck, that if one person isn't going to work past production, then the whole line shuts down. And I'm fucking done, Chuck. And we shut the line down and go home. <laughs> and I work two weeks longer. This is the same. You know, we protest, or we have problems with the government. You go up, I'm standing there. The state house. What about your part constitution? Fuck you. Right. Fuck you. Constitution says you're wrong. Fuck you. We have the power. The constitution wasn't written to give the government power. The constitution was written to protect the people from the government and give the people the power and prevent the government from taking it. Right. We're not taking it. The government, the Indiana government says it best in how far politicians have taken us away from a constitutional republic there's no recourse to an elected official in the state of indiana once you vote them in unless they commit a crime and it has to, a felony at that right they're in office they can be the shittiest politician ever but if they if their party can spend enough money to get them into office they're there they're there well you have I, you know you have no rights in the state of Indiana as a Hoosier to work to remove someone from office because they're messing up. Right. I mean, in Ohio, yeah. there was a town that the local government was so bad, the town voted 
to dissolve the city government. They, they unincorporated themselves. The, yeah, the entire town. <laughs> That's amazing. What What were you going to say, Brandon? Well, I was going to say, speaking of um, garbage Indiana politicians, I mean, we had an issue back here in the spring during legislation where um, the teachers were all fired up about HB 1134, was it? Yeah. Um, and there was a town hall. And uh, I was listening to it again recently. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> One of the quotes from that rep- from the representative that like really stuck with me and frustrated me was um, they they were all expressing concerns and the the room full of constituents was pretty much on one side of the issue and uh, um, he's he stated and I'm going to paraphrase but basically well I know I'm right and I'm going to do uh, I'm going to do what's right um, basically re- regardless what anyone in that room thinks. And uh, he said, who cares? We'll see if I get elected again. I get elected every two years. So yes. We'll see what happens. That's, yes. I mean, you are paraphrasing, but that is the sentiment. And that's that's honestly really basically what he said. There might have been a few different words, and he might have said an and and a the in a different place. But that's exactly and, what he meant. And the hilarity is, is that the House Repu- uh, Republican Campaign Committee threw $80,000 at him at the last minute because it looked like he might not win. Right. Right. Yeah. So they, they will they will do whatever they need to do to ensure that. And and they have puppets in place. Right, right. They're they the people that they the people that they know will will do their bidding, will jump when they say, you know, jump and will stay in the air as long as they they're told to. And that is that is absolutely correct. And for the record there, Brandon, you were being polite in just stating some representative, but I want folks to know that that was Representative J.D. Prescott of Randolph County. He is the representative for Indiana's 33rd district in the state house. He's currently up for re-election this November, Unfortunately, it's kind of like a no-win situation between him and the Democratic opponent. He is somebody that we have to beat at some point. And hopefully, 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 there is some strong candidate out there that is ready to take him on in another short two years, and I I have very, very high faith that we can find that person. If anyone just happens to know who that could be, hmm. Uh, but yes, anyways, that was J.D. Prescott that you were referring to, District 33 State Representative, and it's uh, horrible that we're going to have him for another two years. He absolutely needs to be kicked out of public life, and he needs to go back to his farm and do the family life thing there, selling houses and whatever else fun activities they do, because he should not be an elected official, and it's just a matter of time until I think we can defeat him, but... Uh, you know, as long as he is taking tax dollars and he's getting paid to be in a quote-unquote powerful position, 
he's going to be doing what's best for him and not doing what's best for us. And he's one of those Republicans that we're told that we can't challenge, we can't question. And no matter what he says and does, it has to be right. And he's one of those people like so many others, Mike Gaskell, like Lauren Boebert, like the fanatics for Mayor Bob McCoy and Mayor Dan Ridenour and so many other Republicans, conservatives, liberty-minded freedom fighters, quote-unquote, that are in this new wave. And it's, it's like really crazy. It's like one of those movies that I used to watch as a kid when it was like the good guy was really up against it because he and his team were fighting the bad guys and then all of a sudden his team turned dirty on him and he's like, he's up against it. He's no longer on the police department. He's out in the cold and he's got no help and it's just him against everybody and that's what I feel like. Like, we're against the people that we're supposed to be against, like those quote-unquote on the left in the, you know, the crazy liberals, the Democrats, whatever. But I'm like, man, we've got just as many, if not more, crazy right-wing Republicans and conservatives that we're now against. It's like, you know, I just, it really sometimes is overwhelming. But back to back to JD before we completely go off this man for a second. You know, like I was saying, he's one that really scares me because I honestly, it, it's not, too much of a stretch for me to believe that he would stand up for or sign off on or agree to vote for whatever it would be, even if it was unconstitutional, as long as his good friends and his fellow Republican Party would be voting for it and telling him that that's the thing to do. All you got to do is blow in the man's ear to change his mind. Right. Well, yeah, right. Absolutely. I mean, he has to think about breathing. He's not right. the brightest, <laughs> you know, well, not the sharpest tool in the shed. Well, I mean, Kate pointed out they gave him $80,000. They own him at this point. They, it, yes. They tell him what to do. Right. He's, he, yeah, he is not, th- he's not there of his own accord. He is there to do their bidding. And we have a, super duper duper majority of the Republican Party who in in a lot of people's opinions are no longer representing the Republican Party and, and I get shit on by people who are like oh you're just kicking Republicans I you know I get people who are very close to me you know who who literally will say well you're not a Republican anymore you're not a you're not and I'm like no I'm, I'm not a I'm not a Republican if that's what Republican means. I, I I believe I'm more libertarian. The the gentleman who wrote the letter that was the the whole point of uh, my live video last night, and I will put that live video, the link to that live video, in the description of this episode since I have mentioned it enough that you, the listeners, might want to watch it just in case you haven't. 
it will also be linked with all of the other links that I have said I would include in the description of this episode. But back to that gentleman briefly. We were talking, Kate, Niles, and Brandon and I, before this show started recording for this episode, and Kate had actually sent him an invitation to join the Libertarian Party of Randolph County page. Not to join the party, not to become a lifelong libertarian, but just to be a voice in the community where politics and the goings-on of their community would be discussed. And without thinking about it, he was just like, nope, I don't want to be involved. And it's just insane because, in my opinion, his belief would fall in line with that. But these people are so married to the idea of party, he's like, no, I can't even be on that group. I can't even talk to you guys. I, w- I wouldn't talk to you guys. I'm a Republican. And it's that this... Problem. Yeah. Where's the Americans? I don't like our government at the state level, at the local level, or the federal level right now. I think they are all jacked up and they are driving us into the ground. Yeah. I love my country. I love the principles that our country was founded on. I love how the founding fathers wrote out how this country was to be run. I love that. That's where we should be. At this point, I just think everyone that is in office needs to be removed. Yeah, I believe that wholeheartedly because, honestly, we need such a shakeup to make things right and to get back onto some kind of solid ground. Like, it's never going to happen with, you know, a quarter or a half of all the same old school thinkers in office just waiting around until the next election when they can try to boot out these new people again and get back the old people. Have you noticed that even when these people lose elections, all they do is hang around until the next election cycle when they run again? And they, they it's like none of these people can ever go back to the private sector. Once they've been in, it's like the cult that they just... It's like Hotel California. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. So yeah, I'm all in favor of saying everybody's out. We're starting all over. Because honestly, at this point, we are such a parody or like a caricature of what we used to really be. It's, it's, not, it's not what people think it is, honestly. And it's kind of like we're in Bizarro World or the Upside Down or Opposite World or something because what used to make sense doesn't make sense. What's left is now right. What's right is now left. The people that are supposed to be standing up for X, Y, and Z are now sitting down until 1, 2, and 3. The people that are supposed to be in favor of the Constitution and doing things the right way, well, hell, they're not doing that anymore. The people that belong to groups such as Liberty, Freedom Fighters, Freedom Defense, Liberty Defense, all of these things, all of these groups that have these buzzwords in the name... They spin a good game, but honestly, when you dissect it, when you take a good look, you can tell it's not what it's supposed to be 
because these are the people that are so quick to say, yep, I'll sign on to that. Yep, that sounds good with me. Yep, we can do that because we need to be in power. All, all that matters is now getting these people in power. So it, it doesn't really ever become about doing what's right. It just becomes about getting your enemy gone and getting you and your team implanted in the organization and getting a strong foothold in so you can't ever be tossed out. And to me, that is not what freedom, liberty, and the Constitution represents. The left, the right, Democrats, Republicans, they're all brainwashed idiots. They come out, I mean, the left, you know, the Democrats have come out about freedom of speech, and they want to limit this because it's right-wing and it's harsh. Well, when you do that, you you create a law to limit speech, which is unconstitutional and doesn't need to be followed anyway. But you start limiting the right's voice. Well, then the right has the power and we're going to limit the left speech because we don't like how they're doing this or that or saying this or that. Next thing you know, nobody has any rights to say anything. And that's kind of how we're at now. You can't talk without offending somebody unless you're like me. I just don't give a fuck. If I offend you, that's your problem, not mine. Right. But it's that mentality, it's like everybody wakes up in the morning and pisses on the founding father's graves. We have become what our forefathers fought to get away from. Oh, yes. And if you're one of those people that will speak out against it here at a local level, you ask 99% of the people around this town, I'm the biggest bitch you'll ever meet. Oh, so, yeah. That, this, this irritates me, Chris, and I can't put my, I can't wrap my head around it. All of these people that call themselves Republicans around here love Trump. Oh, he was the greatest guy. He's shaking things up. He's going to drain the swamp. And all he did was talk shit about dirty politicians and brought a lot of stuff to light. Let anyone else at any level of politics say bad things about people and what they're doing. Well, you don't need to be like that. You're just too rough. You just speak too harshly. But you guys just voted twice for a dude who got elected off pointing out everyone's faults right. and being an ass about it. Yeah. But now, now we're too rough. Oh, because we're talking about you. Everybody loves when the bullshit's being discussed until it's their bullshit. I don't know. I'm in an impasse. I kind of unplug from politics for a while because it just it infuriates me how people can be so blind and they will work harder at finding ways to justify their ignorance than to just stop, think about it, and make changes. That's what it all comes down to. The changes. The changes that the changes that are coming or the changes that somebody wants to come, the changes that might need to come, the changes that we want to come, the changes that we might want but we can't get it. You know, who knows? So, I'll ask everybody just one last question here. Kind of pulling it back, going full circle. After everything that we've talked about. And the main point, the main topic. Do you see 
Americans, I don't even care if they're Republicans or Democrats, do you see Americans eroding our First Amendment to the Constitution? Do you see that happening? Do you see a revolution of some sort in America's future where we are taken down some really, really crazy, radical path far different than what we are even on today. Do you see something in our future that, like, for example, Iran went through in 1979, in the 70s leading up to the revolution of 1979? Do you guys see something like that? For example... A national religion and that's just one aspect it could be really anything but do you feel like that's happening like we are on that path now or we could very soon be on that path we'll never be on that path there's too many of us there's not enough of us whatever us is what what do you think about that? What do you see? What do you think? What do you feel? What, what say you? We are headed in that direction. It may not be a, we declare ourselves a Christian nation and they create a national church and all of that. It may go on the other side of the spectrum. This country's over, has been over. I mean, the Republic's been dead for decades. Just we haven't realized it yet. Even our own politicians don't talk about us as a constitutional republic. It's always a democracy. I've never lived in a democracy. I was raised in a constitutional republic, and there's a huge difference. I mean, we're doomed. The best quote ever, when you start talking about the masses, a person is smart, but people are stupid. If you can talk to an individual one-on-one, they're very rational, they think, and, and you can talk and reason. You put people in a group, and they all agree with the loudest person. It doesn't matter. All you watch Nancy Pelosi or any politician talking, some of the dumb shit that comes out of their mouths, and people clap. Oh, yeah. And then you see a couple people looking around like, what the fuck? Right. But it's just a couple. You know? And that's where we're at. Well, that, and and I think he's right. It may not be that it becomes like a national religion. Sure, sure. It may be that the Republicans declare themselves the party of, you know, constitutional Christian values or whatever. Uh, And and you see it on a small level here in Winchester, in Muncie, where you have the cheerleaders for the mayors who are, oh, but he's such a good Christian man. Right. He can do no wrong. It's, it's so, I mean, it will lead to persecution. It will. Oh, yes. I mean, they did, yeah. They did that test in the, was it the 60s or 70s with the shocking people? The Milgram experiment? It was 60 or 70% of people would physically kill someone if a person of authority told them to do it. And I think we're the numbers are much higher now. We've been brainwashed far longer. I'm not sure how, how far we'll go. My thought is that it's such a... Um, a team game. It's a party game, right? So we have our, our Republican supermajority. 
But in reality, how in control are they? So it, it's a team game. Like, look look at what they did to, did to John Jacobs. So John Jacobs, I think it's fair to say he, he's extremely religious. His trolls call him cleric, um, and they hate him for being so um, passionately Christian and, and, and doing what he does. Love him or hate him, the thing about John Jacob was that he was he was set to do what he said he was going to do. And the party didn't like that because they're telling him to do otherwise, right? And we see what happened. What did they spend, like a million dollars to get him out of that seat <laughs> Yeah, from their own party? So where I'm going with this is really, to me, it depends who's really controlling that. I mean, if the Chamber of Commerce told the Republican Party in Indiana hey, we don't want, um, we want to still be able to force vaccinations through through employers in, in Indiana. The Republicans backed down real quick. They said, oh, sure, yeah. you can do it. I mean, they, they said, yeah, we're going to do this. We're, we're set. We're going to protect um, this medical liberty. I mean, pulling us right back around to where we started. And then they start getting pushback from the big, big donors and those with the purse strings. I mean, they backed down real quickly. So I guess it comes down to, I don't know how rapidly we would get there. I don't know if a lot of these people like Lauren Boebert and them are, are saying what they think they need to say when, when we're coming up to election time and they're wanting to start building up some more, um, more attention because I mean, just being visible when, when you have voters that aren't involved, right? Which is another issue we've talked about. Sometimes it's just the name they saw last or the name they recognize. Sure. It doesn't matter if you're saying the craziest thing in the world, they'll go, Oh, yeah, Lauren Boebert, I know that. I'll vote vote for her. So I, I don't know how much these people in this party would actually push for something like that or if they're just just saying what they think they need to say. Well, it's kind of like um, the squeaky wheel gets the attention. Exactly. So I could see us heading down a, a dark path, kind of like Niles and Kate were saying. I don't know how quickly it would happen. I think it really depends on a lot, a lot of factors. Well, to to a point that Kate makes all the time, and she's I'm I'm kind of shocked that she's not said it during this round table for this episode, but it might not be the Christian nationalism type of movement, but it very well could be the religion of party that we move to. And it's it's such a situation where it's all about who your loyalty to is to who you bow down to, who you're pledging allegiance to, and it's so much a a game of you know right versus left, uh, Republican versus Democrat, conservative versus liberal, that that kind of mentality, and you know the the quote unquote hero worship or the the leader worship or or whoever whoever's you know the man or woman wearing the pants in charge, the mayor, the governor, the representative, whatever. It's these people who we latch onto, and they're so busy latching onto the party that these people who are out here saying, you know, we're cheerleading for this mayor, we're cheerleading for that mayor, not only is it now that they're cheerleading for that mayor, but they're now cheerleading for the party of that mayor, and how dare you say anything negative about this party or that party? And so it becomes the whole idea of, you know, 
it, it might not be totally a quote unquote actual like religious type of a situation, but more along the lines of the religion of party. You know, who is your master? the Republicans or the Democrats, you know, where do you belong? And, and if you're out here criticizing either or both, you know, you're the odd man out and you're going to get taken down by one or all or, or whatever. And, and that might be that dark path. And to me, that's every bit as scary, if not scarier. Well, our toes already in the water on that one, though. <laughs> right. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. We might be wading in. <laughs> Come on in. The water's fine. <laughs> well, damn, this has been a lot of fun. I hope the listeners have had almost as much fun as we've had, or at least I've had. I, I hope you guys have had some fun. I think we've had a great discussion. I hope you guys have got something out of it. I hope the listeners have definitely got something out of it, and I can't wait to hear the feedback from the listeners on this episode. So before we wrap this up, do any of you have anything that you want to throw out? Any super-duper one-last lines? Any bits of knowledge or wisdom? Anything that we've saved until the very end and you just want to say... Ta-da! With anything major? Anybody? I just hope people start waking up. <laughs> um, yeah, Niles, I'm with you. I say that during some point of almost every show, every live, I think it's somewhere, somehow, in some form, in almost every one of my posts, it's basically the building block of everything I do. I do all of this in some form or another to try to get people interested and involved, educated, and the point behind everything is to help people wake up, and uh, I, I, I hope people understand how important it is to be involved more than just a listener you can't be a spectator this is this is a full contact all skate everybody on the field sport this this is not something that you can just be a spectator of everybody has to be involved all hands on on deck every show every meeting every primary election, every general election, every time that voters registration opens back up, I'm like, okay, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the meeting that lots of people show up at. This is going to be the protest that lots of people show up at. This is going to be the video. This is going to be the audio podcast that goes viral that people share around the world. This is going to be the thing that sets off the powder keg and people are now involved and awake and they want to change this situation. I say more people's going to register this year than ever before. Never happens. This is going to be the primary that more people come out to vote 
in than ever before never happens. This is going to be the general election that more people come out to vote in than ever before never happens. Hell, even in the 2020 COVID election, when they opened up every possible way to vote and people were stretched around the building for days and days and days on end, just lines and lines and lines of people voting because people were allowed to go in and vote in a way that they had never really been able to before. Mail-in voters was a thing. I think you could text votes in and things like that. And they were like, this is going to be the biggest election of all time. And the numbers are pouring in. And I was watching and everywhere had all of these lines. And in my mind, I kept thinking, man, this is going to be a massive election. And then election night, all the numbers come in and everything was like basically right in line with where it should have been a little lower in some places, like quite a bit lower than it had been in the election just four years before. And I'm like, what in the hell? So that's when I really freaked out. And I was like, I I don't even understand what's going on. Uh, That was really, really weird when that happens. So I hear you. But I, but you know what? I, I don't ever give up. I don't want people to feel like this is a voice of someone who's throwing in the towel and saying like, oh, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. I still am hopeful. I am hopeful. You know, people say, oh, I'm a hopeless romantic. I don't ever say that. I'm a hopeful romantic. And I feel that way about politics, too. I always stay hopeful. And I always say, this is going to be the episode. This is going to be the meeting. This is going to be the protest. This is going to be the event. This is going to be the voters' registration drive. This is going to be the primary. This is going to be the general. This is going to be, you know, the election of the year, uh, of the season, of, of forever, until next election. And we're going to blow it away then, too. And maybe we will, maybe we won't. I don't know. But I know that I'm here fighting, and I know that you guys are here fighting, and I love you for it. And now this is when I turn to the audience, all of our longtime listeners, new listeners, and hopeful listeners that we don't even know that we have yet, and say, okay, it's you guys' turn now to get involved and say you're going to tag in. You're part of the fight. We need you to participate, you know? There's so many people that say, eh, I'm not going to participate. We'll just, we'll watch it. I don't want to participate, you know? They're they're participating. They just haven't felt it yet. It hasn't <laughs> yeah, right. reached their level. They're participating. By not voting. Yep. By not getting involved. Yep. And they'll scream the loudest when it affects their life. Absolutely. You know, that's that amazing lyric from the Rush song, Free Will, that was written by... Just a badass drummer, Neil Peart. He was absolutely amazing. An amazing thinker. He was nicknamed The Professor. Just a badass on drums. And an amazing lyricist. And he wrote the lyric in their song, Free Will. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. And that is absolutely true here, my friends. Well, I guess this is probably where we're going to part ways. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking to my very near and dear friends, producers Kate, Niles, and Hell Will Throw Brandon in there, producer Brandon, Brandon Clower, 
Kate and Niles Thornburg. We've been talking with them. I hope you, the listener, have absolutely got something out of this back and forth. It has been great. I have enjoyed this conversation. It's very important what we've talked about. And if you, the listener, have something that you want to convey to one or all of us, please do so by contacting me one of the various many ways you contact me. You can either leave a comment on my social media Facebook page. You can leave it in the comments. You can send me a private message. You can email me at khbilbury at gmail.com. As always, you can text or call the studio line at 765-546-9796, or you can contact me through the very bizarre perception.fireside.fm way that so many of you contact me through, but I have absolutely no idea how you do it, so I can't tell you how to do it, but so many of you have figured out it's some kind of email. It comes from the Fireside app, but it comes into my Gmail, so continue doing what you're doing there. I'm sorry, I have no idea, but if you don't contact me that way, you can contact me one of the other many ways. We are definitely interested to hear what your thoughts are about this episode or any other episode you have listened to, or if you have an idea for a future episode, that would be great as well. Um, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. Thank you guys for your time. Please, as always, share this show with everyone you know and share the podcast with everyone you know because it is very important. That kind of goes along with everything that we've all been talking about here, getting people educated, getting them involved. It's all part of the fight, and this is something that is important, bringing people to the fold and having people that we can discuss things with, whether we agree or disagree, because face it, we're not going to agree or disagree on anything 100% of the time in any form, because that just doesn't happen. So it's okay that we might agree and disagree, because that's what being a normal, level-headed adult is in the world. All right, that's going to do it for me, your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. Thank you for tuning in to this 194th episode of Perception is Reality. Share the show with everyone you know. As for my three guests, thank you guys for being here. Thanks. Yeah, are you guys going to say, like, bye? <laughs> thank you all very yeah. much. <laughs> Chrissy. Oh, thanks for Bye. Jesus. <laughs> All right, I'll be right back with you guys. Christopher, that's the problem. Right. We're on the phone and we don't have cue cards. I need a prompter. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, say bye. Say bye. <laughs> all right. Bye, <laughs> <friend>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just leave all this in on the. Episode. Oh, I'm going to. I'm. It's. It's all going. I'm not going to edit any of that out. You can. I, I promise. <laughs> that was great. Oh, this has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.